Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. Before meeting our new guest, a uh, brand new guest, I should say, I'd like to remind you about our partners at Bet Online. They are the number one source for all your odd stats, news, and matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season. From basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, and UFC to boxing, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from home. Get in the action today and head to the website betonline.ag and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Episode 93 of the podcast welcomes Dan LaForest, director of the Influencer Council, NIL consultant, and member of the Orlando Touchdown Club, and Cure All-Star Game Committees. It's a pleasure to have you on. How you doing, man? Hey, Dan, I'll tell you what, great to be here. I appreciate you having me on tonight. Yeah, I, I'm going to edit the beginning of that, but I will let the audience know I butchered the heck out of that first minute or two, but that usually means uh, we're in for a good show. Um, I'm just, it's, I'm honored. I, I've known you for, for a long time. We're both Florida boys. You're a pop guy. I'm a Daytona guy, so we didn't play too far away. And, and anyone who knows Florida, those are some historic programs in Central Florida, um, they're always in it in the end. And I think it's because of the tradition and the culture they've, they've just created over the years, you know? So, uh, you're about 10 years older. Um, so it's kind of fascinating to hear your perspective on some things that we share a common interest in. Uh, I want to start by letting you introduce yourself to our, our audience. You know, these guys are comprised, this audience is comprised of kickers, punters, snappers, coaches, and, and parents that have a passion forth down. And, you know, we've started to welcome others like yourself who just, our football fans that want to hear what us nerdy uh, specialists talk about all day, because because there is a ton, as you can imagine. Uh, so could you just share a little bit about both as a player and a coach, like what you went through um, and where you are now? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, things have changed a little bit over time. But, you know, I think the core principles of football will never change. And and a lot of that is it is, is adversity. Uh, you know, I grew up in the Pop Warner ranks and I was the tall kid, the big kid and played the uh, offensive line until I got to Apopka High School. And uh, Bobby Brewer, the brother of uh, Rodney Brewer, who is a uh, quarterback in Florida, you know, great quarterback behind uh, Kerwin Bell at the University of Florida back in the 80s, saw me throw a water waterlogged football 50 yards. And uh, the rest was history. You know, I played for Chip Gerke at Apopka and, you know, we, we had some great teams. Uh, Pop has always had a great program, but we, you know, we, we, we kind of kicked it off in the APK, um, you know, to play around guys like, you know, Sammy Smith and, and, and uh, Warren Sapp was a freshman my senior year at Apopka and uh, so many people in between. I mean, we had some great, great players come out of, out of Apopka High School. And, you know, Apopka and then the transition to college, could, could you talk about that a little? Because you had a, uh, a position change, as you mentioned. You were a tight end, I want to say, initially, right? No, initially I went as a quarterback, you know, I was uh, recruited as a quarterback. And then uh, after my second year, I uh, got kind of tired of watching things happen around me. And, uh, you know, I was a big quarterback. I was 6'4", 220 coming out of high school. So 
uh, I was able to transition to tight end and get some playing time and uh, really enjoyed my time up in Johnson City, Tennessee. That's another thing we could go off on a tangent about is I had a kid in town this weekend and he was from Austin P University. And I had, I don't know, I had probably had six power five specialists that were kicking alongside of him and no one, I mean, no one out there could touch him. You know, so I, I looked at the the 23s and the 24s, these guys that haven't sniffed Saturday football yet. And I said, I want you to make a mental note of what you just witnessed. When you pass up uh, Middle Tennessee State University for a walk-on at FIU, um, perhaps you shouldn't. Because if that kid is at Austin P and he's probably going to play on Sundays one day, I think you you got it's it's timing. I know I know we're not going to be able to get into the recruiting as much as I'd like to with you, but I imagine it's no different for other position groups, but especially with specialists. I think that it doesn't really matter where you play in terms of the level of difficulty, right? Because we're not we're not a receiver being covered by an SEC West corner. No, we're 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 having to make a thirty seven yard right hash field goal with one second left. Are we good enough? Or are we not? Um, and I, I just think it's it's wonderful message to send to those kids is uh, the opportunity is all that matters. You know, um, it really doesn't matter where you play as long as you make the most of what you are. Oh, I don't disagree, especially with the recruiting uh, environment that we've had the last few years. Um, you know, there's less and less uh, high school scholarships going out uh, due to the COVID situation. You know, you've got guys that are getting a fifth and sixth, seven years of eligibility. Yeah. Um, and especially now with the new transfer rules, you know, again, back when I played, you, if you transferred, you sat out a year and, uh, you lost a year of eligibility. So, you know, sometimes you had to make a hard decision about making a position change now, heck, you know, you're right. You know, if I go to, you know, uh, East Tennessee state, or I go to Furman or I go to Austin P or Eastern Kentucky, I go to FCS school. You may have that opportunity to transfer into a D1 Power 5 program at some point in the, in the future. And I think we've gotten away from that. I think the, the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, a lot of the kids still look at the opportunities as D1 or bust. And, and I think that is a huge mistake, understanding that every opportunity is it should be cherished because you don't know where you're going to be. You know, even from a star ranking standpoint, you got five star, four star, three star. In all honesty, the majority of these kids haven't even matured yet. You're not going to mature till you're 20, 21 years old physically. So, you know, uh, and we saw that in the NFL draft, Dan. I mean, how many guys do we see get drafted that were three star, yes. four star, three star, two star, no stars get drafted because they developed later on? People are, are unique cases. I think everyone's an individual. And I think that, like, generally speaking, you know, a lot of these guys don't find themselves until year two or three of getting into a program that where they're coached well. You know, a lot of these kids, unfortunately, are at, at a high school. Their, their God-given ability carries them ever so far, you know, and they're going to make a play over the high school opponent next to them. But I think that sometimes it takes a little realization that I'm not as good as I thought I was everyone's equally if not better than me and now i've got to learn the game i don't think a lot of these kids know the game that well um i mean i i have kids of course i deal with specialists but knowing the dimensions uh, is empowering you know like kind of knowing how far the sideline is from the hash or how far middle field is from hash because that helps us kind of get a range you know if you're playing golf it's nice to know how far you have to hit it you know even though i'm not a very good golfer there's power in that so 
you're right. I think that sometimes 17 and 18, you're not really ready to play power five football. And if you are, I think you're an outlier, a significant outlier. You can't assume that everyone is an outlier. And I think everyone does. I think everyone's like, well, I want it real bad, though. I want to play for the Florida Gators. I don't think everyone realizes how bad everyone else wants it, too. You know, I, I we have to sometimes, I think, be a little bit more honest with kids, you know, and I, I'm guilty of that I'm really almost too honest. I'm transparent. I like to use the word transparent because I appreciated that as an athlete. I like the coaches that told me what my deficits were. You know, I didn't, my dad didn't praise me much. My dad kind of assumed that I knew I was good at stuff, but I think he felt like it was his job to keep me mindful of the things I needed to work harder in. Um, so I want to get into, you mentioned like transfers and all these changes and it's ever changing, you know, uh, it's a very fluid sport. Um, we, we, you know, 90, there was 10 games and then we had 11 and then we have 12 and now we're talking about a 12 playoff system, you know, but I think that of all these, these changes, what's going to impact the game more in, in a short term than anything else is this name, image and likeness, the NIL. Um, could you elaborate? Cause you're, you're an expert in this and uh, I'm learning it, you know, because it is new, but it's a part of the game now. And it's, it's something that players ask me often as far as like, how do I take advantage of this? Cause this is something that, that is empowering the student athlete. Could you, could you tell me a little more, tell us a little more about the purpose of this NIL and where it's going? Well, I, I think, first of all, I don't think anybody is an expert in NIL just yet. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's an evolution. You know, it's it's rare. It's it's relatively new. Um, I think the biggest thing that I you know that I'm really kind of have a focus on is helping these young people and their families understand that it's an opportunity. Um, you know, we have you and I both have been around guys who have played in the NFL that were not prepared uh, from a maturity standpoint to handle the types of monies that they see at the NFL level. Even though it's not as big, there's significant monies that are going to be presented and are being presented to these young people. And how are we supposed to expect, you know, an 18-year-old to 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 understand what that responsibility looks like? Not to mention they're 1099. You know, you're responsible for taxes. Um, you know, I I call it the lottery syndrome. You know, people get. Uh, you know, I, I and before I get into that, I'll, I'll say this because I think it kind of leads into it. Um, you have luck and you have fortune. Okay, luck is what people get that did not earn it. Okay, you win a lottery, you did not win, you did not earn it, you did not earn that money. Um, it it it, it was by chance. Fortune is built. Fortune is earned. Uh, I tell kids all the time, have, you know, I ask them, I said, have you heard of the lucky 500? And they're like, no. I said, have you heard of the fortune 500? They're like, yeah, well, there's, there's your difference. <laughs> you know, you have, you know, and NIL is, is new. And, and I think these young people have to understand that they are the pioneers and they have a responsibility to guys like us that didn't have that opportunity. You know, I look back and I was kind of chuckling, look at some pictures of guys, that were huge names in the NCAA back in the eighties and nineties. You know, you talk about heck, you know, everybody's talking about Deion Sanders right now. He was one of the most dynamic person personalities in the mid eighties. His NIL value would have been ridiculous. And then, you know, guys like Warren Sapp, I mean, big personalities and, um, you know, Brian Bosworth. I mean, the guy had what a two year NFL career before injuries took over. 
he didn't make a lot of money in NFL, but he would have made a lot of NIL money at, at Oklahoma. Um, I think NIL is an opportunity for these young people, and, and they have to look at it from a business standpoint because it prepares them for a couple different things. One is it gives them a leg up if they don't make that next 2% club. You know, 2% of, of collegiate athletes make it to the professionals. And as much as they want to, they may not have that opportunity. Well, it'd be nice to start my adulthood, my professional career with a little money in the bank. Um, but, you know, when you're looking at, at, at a young person and all they know is I'm getting paid, it, it's hard to break that mentality for a mid-20-year-old versus an 18-year-old. Yeah, I want to get into that because, you know, the people that contest this are obviously the people that don't have the opportunity to make or capitalize on it. You know, that's my opinion. I think that it's it's a lot of disgruntled fans and whatever haters, I guess is an easy term to use, but um I think we 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 live in a capitalist society. I think that you get presented opportunities and it's your job to capitalize on those opportunities. And I think that if um we haven't we've empowered the coaches for so long. I think you could probably agree with, you know, as far as a coach you know, he brings in 23, 25 players and that half those kids came for that coach. And more often than not, that coach is gone in one or two years. And then, like you mentioned, those kids are all stuck and penalized if they want to transfer right away because the new coach coming in maybe doesn't have the same scheme or has his own players. So I think for a long time, you, myself, a lot of us, uh, we had our hands tied in a lot of ways. We weren't even worried about the monies back then. That wasn't even a thought. I think what, what all we wanted to do was have a little bit of power about what we were playing and who we were playing for. So I am grateful that the tables have turned. And I think that the coaches haven't lost. They've lost, I guess, a little bit of the hold on kids. But is that power that they should have had in the first place? I don't know. And I don't think that anyone really should say whether or not that that's that's a true statement or not. I think that uh, all this is subjective. And like you said, it's also new. And um, we're not going to be able to dot I's and cross T's just yet because it's trial and error phase. I think we're going to find out what works and what doesn't. But I want to get into that, too. Um, there are some responsibilities that come with this. Um, there's a kid, I don't want to name his name, but he's an SEC West kicker. And I want to say he is making – third or fourth on his sec west team in terms of monies and because he found a couple really good fits in terms of brands and these are reputable brands and he had a wonderful year a few game winners and that's marketable stuff but i think that he has been a little initially at least he was a little irresponsible and i think he's learned a lot of life lessons through it and now thankfully you know he was sustainable he's he's still he is who he is i think that he's now kind of built something off this. Like you mentioned about fortunes. I think he's initiated a fortune instead of blown his, his wealth. Um, but there was, there was a very, very close call there um, to where he was being a little careless. So could you talk about maybe some, some of these responsibilities, potential pitfalls that yes, it's opportunity, but um, responsibility is a part of it. And if they're not responsible, what do you foresee in this NIL era happening? Well, I, I first of all, I, I think every, every kid or every young person has uh, is, is hopefully going to have the resources. I, I think the biggest problem in, in most cases with young people is communication. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're being hit with these people. And I, I think it comes back to communication. I think it comes back to trust. 
um, you know, they're being introduced to new people all the time. And, and, you know, again, you know, history is our best, our best judge of, of the future is how people have been taken advantage of, or, uh, they don't know how to communicate effectively. Um, you know, young people want to, they, they want to have, they, they, they want to be coached, you know, it's like leaders, right? People, people talk about being leaders, but at the end of the day, everybody wants to be led. I believe that, sure. you know, people follow leaders, leaders do not happen. They are made. And, um, but you know, when you've got young people who are very, um, um, they're very, um, I, I guess you'd say is, uh, influenced very easily, um, you know, it, it's hard. Like I said, it, it's hard to be an 18 year old going off to college. I remember that day, right? You're trying to figure out, you know, can I cut it in the classroom? And, you know, I, again, going back to luck, I think the most insulting thing I ever heard when I played was you're lucky you're a football player. And I'm like, you have no idea. Luck ain't got nothing to do with it. No. You know, you don't understand what our days look like. You know, I'm in class from eight to 12. I've got to go to lunch. I've got to be in the training room from one till two o'clock. We got, you know, meetings, team meetings from two to three. We got practice from three to six. I got to go to dinner, then I study hall till 930 and and rinse and repeat, right? And, um, you know, it, it's tough being a college athlete. And and now, you know, a lot of these kids are looking at business opportunities and, you know, it, it's a lot to digest. And I think, you know, I guess one of my biggest messages is, is trying to simplify that process so it's not it's not as hard. They need as much guidance as possible. And, and then you've got the parents, you know, a lot of the parents have never been in this situation. So, you know, how do you provide that kind of support and that kind of guidance for, for young people in a world that really nobody understands, Dan? <laughs> I, I really, I, we, we're going to have you back on and, and go dive deep into the NIL because just the taxation of it all fascinates me. I mean, some of these things, I would, I would imagine they have to be reported, uh, the revenue. Um, but I, I, but I also imagine back to communication and it being someone's first time generating significant amounts of revenue. Um, I'd like to think that maybe some of these kids don't realize the importance of disclosing the revenue. Right. And then now it falls back onto the party who gave the monies. So I see the pitfalls. I really do. And like you said, we're, we're going to find our way through it, but I think that fear is, is a, is a horrible thing, right? I think fear is, is what's kept this from coming, you know, like giving opportunities to, to these young men, right? Instead, we just crippled them and we didn't give them anything. And I think that that, that was a bad thing and there was going to be a breaking point and it finally happened. Um, I want to talk about, I mean, you you wear a lot of hats uh, and I've known you for a long time from afar and you've always seemed to have a lot of involvement, especially in the game of football. And I think what's most appealing to me recently, I, I discovered, is you are the director of what's called the Influencer Council. Um, I'd like you to talk about what that is a little bit, and obviously it's fit into this NIL discussion. So first of all, the Influencer Council was founded by Ronnie Bittman, who is a sports entertainment attorney out of Lake Mary. And he and I teamed up, and you know I've been a financial advisor, a wealth advisor for over 15 years now, so... I look at it as a great opportunity for myself to actually marry my professional life with my passion, which is the game and, and helping young people realize their potential. So that that's what's really exciting for me is, you know, to be able to marry the two. And uh, I, I think it's a great thing. But Ronnie, 
Ronnie's uh, an, an excellent uh, attorney and, and he's a business litigator. So, you know, he's used to dealing with business contracts. He's been legal representative for our uh, legal counsel for Justin Bieber, the Kardashians, the Michael Jackson estate. Uh, he's currently representing Meghan Markle in a, a defamation suit. So, uh, and he's on the advisory board with the Greater Orlando Sports Commission. So, you know, Ronnie Ronnie has a lot of great ten, uh, connections and and his passion uh, for sports uh, is unmatched. So uh, you, when, when he and I met, it was kind of like that aha moment of, wow, these are two guys that that love this space. And, and what if we use our, our professional resources really to help? Because NIL isn't just about getting paid. I mean, there's other aspects of it. Uh, right now, most monies are being filtered through collectives. And, and really what a collective is, is they're gathering all these funds or fundraising. They got people donating to it and they're dispersing these monies. But we're already starting to see that private companies are, are looking at marketing deals and they're not going through the collective. You know, we saw uh, here, here recent or last year, we saw um, Bryce Young do uh, a nice big deal with a Mercedes. You just saw Angel Reese, the basketball player at LSU. Uh, the Cavalier twins, the girls down in Miami, aren't even playing their senior year at the University of Miami because they're going to work for the WWE. So, uh, you know, NIL, social media, branding, all these things come into play. And and a lot of these kids go on social media. One of the things that I've had the joy of, of being part of the last couple of years are, are media days. And and helping these kids understand, you know, they're, they're a bunch of tough individuals till you stick a microphone in their face. And and them understanding that NIL is not just getting paid. I mean, your NIL value is based on your personality. It's based on your performance on the field. It's it's your community service off the field, you know, and 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 that can all tie in. You know, I think the on three, I, you know, I look at the NIL values or valuations, if you will, and and start looking at those and and, uh, you know, the NIL numbers, I think the ones that we hear are the exception to the rule. You know, not all these college football players are getting extraordinary amounts of money. Uh, I think that is changing from a standpoint because it's become such a significant part of the recruiting process. But uh, I, I don't think that this is something that that's going to get capped. I think it's like you said, it's it's capitalism at its best. And um, it, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and really, again, the Influencer Council is a resource. You know, we want to educate. You know, we're not coming in and taking advantage of families and saying, hey, you owe us this money. It's we want to help you prepare for what these things are. And if you need us on the back end, you know who you can come to. You know, if you need legal services, if you need financial services, we can have a marketing team work with you. We want to have these different services available. And, you know, it goes back to the best ability. And my buddy, Sammy Smith told me, you know, the best line he heard was the best ability is availability. Amen. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's where the passion lies behind it. And I mean, let's be honest. Uh, we could talk about other regulatory issues in our country that people have problems with for and against, but I think that these kids have always gotten paid. I just don't think you heard about a lot of the transactions before, right? And if you did, you you know, the Cam Newtons of the world via churches and accounts like that. But I feel like a lot of people got paid before too, but it was black market stuff, right? I think now at least it's it's out there. You know, it, we can now make some decisions if it's too much. I don't know how we could cap things, but 
I do like the fact that it's at least um, legal, you know? I think that's good for the kids, too. It's good for the, the programs and the universities and all that stuff because for a long time, people took major risks to acquire certain people, you know? And I think I think that's a positive, you know? I, think that, I, I don't know if this is the perfect way about going about doing it, but I think it's a good start. Um, and I don't want to beat this subject to death. So I, I'll, I'll end on a more positive thing now. So I'm a central Florida resident. So are you. And there's a recent event uh, called the cure bowl. And it, it, it caught my attention, you know, like it's a really neat, like pink theme. And uh, the kid from Boone, the kicker from Boone last year was in it. A uh, good kid, Brady Myers. And I followed his little stories. He actually posted a ton of content and his experience with it. And not just the football side of it. I think, it was the outreach side of it and just some of the special events he got to be a part of. But could you talk to people um, about this Cure All-Star game that goes on in Central Florida? Yeah, I'd love to. And, you know, first of all, everything's connected to the Orlando Sports Foundation, which is the uh, company behind the Cure Bowl college game. Okay. Um, the Cure All-Star series, uh, really, it, it was a, a transformation of a game that was started back in 90, I think it was 92, by Coach Dave Langdon and Coach Phil Ziegler, and uh, you know two of the uh, uh, the legendary names in uh, in college or high school uh, football coaching ranks over the years. But um, um, you know the Orlando Sports Foundation came in, and I was actually approached by Alan Gooch, uh, president of the OSF, and Mark Line, who oversees the All Star Games, and uh, they asked me. They said, uh, you know, Dan, what's missing? What are we missing? And, uh, you know, my reaction was the excitement. We need to make this an exciting game and, and, and something kids are looking forward to be selected in. You know, there's we've had a number of all-star type series games over the years. But the, the nice thing about this is everything is centered around the objective of the Orlando Sports Foundation, which is raising money for the cure of cancer. So one of the things that we like to do is um, – we like to have every kid that plays in the game. First of all, it, it's not an all-star game. It's not a last ride game. It's a it's a recruiting showcase, first of all. So the kids that are selected for this are kids who literally have an opportunity to play at the next level, whether it's D1, D2, D3, it doesn't matter. Um, maybe it's JUCO. But we want to give them an opportunity to, number one, play in an environment with talent around them. And second, get additional film. But also, we ask every one of the kids to write down on a sticker somebody you're playing for because everybody everybody listening to tonight knows somebody who has succumbed to cancer or have survived cancer. And, you know, whether it's a family member or a friend, but we ask these kids to play for somebody and they write that name on their sticker and put it on their helmet. And I think that's a big part of it. And the evolution of this game went from just being orange versus Seminole County to last year, we added a Lake versus Osceola game. And then this year we're excited to announce that we're going to take Seminole out of the orange game and we're going to have a Seminole Volusia Flagler game. So we're going to have three all-star games where we're going to give kids the opportunity, but we have combines for the underclassmen where they all come in and they get their numbers. And we work with Dwight Thomas and catapult sports and other people. Um, but the biggest thing is we have a recruiting fair in February. So if a kid has not signed or has, doesn't have an offer yet, we're going to bring in a bunch of D2 and D3 schools and get them in front of coaches. 
I just, it's one of the many things we talked pre-recording about some of the advocacy things you're doing for the coaches too. And uh, it's just, it's awesome. Cause I, you know, I'm a Florida football player and so are you. And I am biased. I think that Florida football is, is up there. It's among, I would say it's definitely top three. I don't know if it's one, two or three each year, but it's one. It's one. I'm going to call it right now. We put more kids in the power five schools than any other state. I was trying to be a little bit neutral there, but you're right. I mean, it's, I'm not, I think per, well, <laughs> per, per capita, especially if you want to get into the per capita numbers, like we, we get, we have to compete with Texas and California, but I don't, I mean, it's really, it's not a competition. If you, if you talk about who's playing and who's successful out of how many kids, but no, I, I think what, the disconnect, though, is oftentimes from the top or it's it's the people, it's the adults in the room. And I think that that's something that Florida, you know, we've we've fallen short of a little bit. And uh, lately, in my opinion, in terms of like adults in the room that make the right decisions for the betterment of the whole, not just the kids, but everybody. And we've lost, unfortunately, coaches in, in recent years to to other states. I won't name, you know, one that borders us, of course, has taken a number of our elite Central Florida coaches in the last two years alone. Um, so I, I think it's wonderful that you're not only working for the kids, but it seems like you and a, a few people are really working hard for, for the coaches too, because Florida, it, it's, it's important to me. I mean, I don't want to leave. I, it, it, football really, really has given me so much. And it was through my high school experience. That's where it started. That was the inception. And I loved it so much. I stayed, I want, you know, I could have gone elsewhere. Pac-12 was calling, but I stayed home because I love Florida so much. I knew Miami would be a bunch of Florida boys, you know, and that was a neat experience. Uh, so I do want to thank you. I know this kind of purpose of the show is to acknowledge you a little bit, to to introduce you to the people who may not know you, but I really just wanted to say thanks, you know, for everything. And um, if anyone, I guess, could you offer maybe one or two ways if someone wanted to reach out to you for anything we discussed, uh, could could they do that? Yeah, absolutely. They can uh, reach out to me um, uh, through social media. It's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me, and it's going to be Dan LaForest, FB, and that's on Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, I'm I'm constantly putting stuff out on on social media, promoting players, promoting events, throwing out little tidbits of you know information, uh, food for thought, things of that nature. Um, or you know, you can email at uh, dlaforest at influencer-council.com. Um, but, you know, again, I appreciate you having me on, Dan. You're doing a wonderful job with the special teams guys. And, you know, I've always said, you know, as a quarterback, the two the two groups that I valued the most were my offensive line and the kickers because the punter got me out of the hole and the, and the field goal kicker got, you know, got some points on the board when we couldn't get in the end zone. So I think it's uh, very important to uh, to recognize those special team players. And you and I were talking about it earlier, man. Long snapper is a skill. And I don't think enough kids are focused on that because if 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 I look back, I probably missed an opportunity to play professionally, and that was from probably from being a long snap. You know, I will. I want to end on something nerdy and special teams because this is the show. But I will say, though, what I've learned over the years is if you want to identify a long snapper, if you're a high school coach and you're in need, have all the kids start throwing footballs. Just have them throw it. If a kid is a natural thrower of a football. And hopefully he's a tight end or a bigger size lad. You know, you, you want a little bit of girth in the A gaps. You want to be able to protect a little bit. But even if you don't, I mean, I, I'll give you one more story. We played Miami Central uh, State semifinals 
This was a while ago. Devontae Phillips was a receiver they had. He was a four-star. He, all of a sudden, our plan was to attack their P unit because they had a really, really slow, like, arcing snap, and they didn't take too much pride in the protection in the interior. So we, we, we brought dogs. We were, like, doubling the A, and we were stunting on one B, and we were just trying to get someone to get just one person to get through. I promise you. They put their best athlete there when they played us. Devontae Phillips snapped that night. I had scouted, I had eight tapes of them that year. He he had never snapped once. Someone on that team, I never found out who, was smart enough to realize that that was their void. They had to fix that. They had to button that up because they did see that we blocked nine that year. We blocked everybody. And I thought that was good coaching. I really do. I think that we would have broke their back in that phase had they not made that adjustment. But back to my point, I bet Miami Central on that Tuesday had everyone just give it a go. And sure as crap, it was a four-star wide receiver. They probably didn't intend on that, but that was going to get the job done, right? Assuredly get the job done. And and you know what he did? He snapped and released too. So he was a weapon on both ends. You know, he served a good ball. And then he was down. He was down the field covering and dissuading our PR. So I don't know. That's just that's that's the stuff I'll never forget. And I'll, you can't argue it. I mean, a, a snapper can lose you a ball game, even at high school level. You know, um, I just think it's an ignorance to it. I think that people are so inundated with offense, defense that they don't have enough resources or manpower to often uncover those stones. But if you are listening to this and you're you're at the end of your spring and you're panicking about the fall. Have them play catch this summer and take a few of the bigger bodies who are natural throwers of the football and then turn them upside down and then, you know, make them adjust. But it's usually a seamless transition at like 12, 13. And if they work at it, they can service you at 14. Well, not to mention the fact even guys that don't see a lot of playing time, man, volunteer for special teams. That's how you make NFL rosters. Amen. Even the best, right? The best yeah. you usually have to service, you know, a year or two on something they probably didn't have to do in college, right? Because they're because they're amazing athletes. Uh, but thank you, man. Uh, please, please give us a five star review, subscribe, share with a friend. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can. Uh, I guess you could email me at fourthdownu at gmail. Uh, my website is fourthdownu.com. And on social media, I am at 4th Down U. Thanks again for joining us at 4th Down Focus, presented by Bet Online. I will see you next week with an exciting new guest, and I hope this summer is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.